in the second year of Darius the king. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Father, we thank you for your word to us, that we are not above it. Speak it to us now in our hearts. We pray you by your power, by the power of your spirit, and in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, your only begotten son and eternal word. Amen. Good evening. Good to see you. It's a beautiful day. Here we are. It's, it's 5 p.m. still on Sunday nights, right where, right where St. Bart's has always been. You're safe. This is, this is the time of the year where we start getting tired, isn't it? Sunday night, 5 p.m. It's, it's very womb-like in here, very warm and comfy and safe, and it'll get wintry outside. I want to speak to you today as a community and as individuals. So if you can make your brain go back and forth between a collective, like the community, and individual, that's what I want you to do today, if you can. And I'll try to give you the proper cues. I'll tell you when you're supposed to do it, community, individual. But also, too, I just want to acknowledge that this, to me, this feels like such a pregnant moment, and I'm not exactly sure what God has in mind tonight. Um, it may just be that I ate a certain kind of tamale for lunch, but I, I, I feel that, I want to say that if you're here tonight, it's certainly not by an accident. Um, it doesn't mean you always have to be here all the time, forever and ever, but I believe God wants to speak deeply to us all. We're almost to the season of Advent. We have just a few more Sundays of this liturgical year, which is something only nerdy people say, liturgical year. And it just so happens I spent a long time studying things like the liturgical year, so I am officially, my children remind me often, a nerd. We have just a few more Sundays in the liturgical year, and we begin a new year with the season of Advent. The season of Advent this year for us, I think, and this is, this is my angle right now, is we're going to experience the ache of Advent. Because you see, in Advent, we use these Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, one of our favorites, we have Malachi zipping in there, and other people, maybe Zechariah. 
in the season of Advent, these prophets are telling us about the hope that is to come. And for Israel, that's pointing forward to Jesus in one sense. But in another sense, well, in the sense that Jesus fulfills everything for history. That's a word that Irenaeus uh, used called recapitulation. That everything that has happened is gathered up into Christ. So, the season of Advent, we kind of have to put on our Israel hats, not, not yarmulkes, but like, okay, we, let's think like an Israelite. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on, these minor prophets. They're not minor because the third scale degree is flattened. <sighs> Nerd strike two. That's okay. I had to say it. Contractually obligated because I'm a music theory major. They're minor prophets because they wrote a little bit. And oftentimes in this this period of post-exile, pre-come of Messiah. So that's the context we have. So not only do we have a context in Scripture tonight, we also have a context in the season. Do you hear that? We're not yet to Advent, but the, the lectionary is taking us there. It's getting us ready. It's setting us on a level playing field so that we can be ready for Advent, so that we can be ready for Christmas, so that we can be ready each and every day for Christ to be born anew in us, etc., etc. Three things I want you to do tonight. We're going to remember, okay, that's one, one topic. We're going to remember, we're going to redouble our efforts at rebuilding. So remember, redouble our efforts, and guess what letter the third one starts with? And we're going to rest. Three things I want to talk about tonight. Haggai, it's in your bulletin, also in your Bible. Haggai 115b, did anybody notice that super cool reference? There's a reason that we start in 115b. 115b gives us an exact date. It says this, in the second year of Darius the king, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month. Wow. That is, are you ready? October 17th, 520 BC. Can you believe that? October 17th, 520 BC. That's an exact date. The, these dates are important in the book of Haggai. And Haggai is speaking on this October 17th, 520 B.C. It's the next to last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot. You might see it on your calendar. And in the Feast of Tabernacles, the Israelites would do all sorts of things. They would bring in the fall harvest, and they would offer to God the first fruits of their harvest. They would also stay in booths, or what we might call tents, so a perfect weekend for a camping trip. They would stay in tents to remind themselves that their ancestors, their forefathers and foremothers were uh, pilgrims in the wilderness. They did not have a place to be. In fact, they wandered for 40 years. And so here we are on the penultimate day of the Feast of Tabernacles and the word of the Lord comes to Haggai, which now I'm fond of saying, Haggai, that guy, that guy, Haggai, great name. But notice what Haggai is encouraging the people of, of uh, the uh, people of Israel to do. Now, quick, one more context thing. Remember, Jerusalem fell in 587. The last of the exiles were taken out of the land. Now, they were sent to Babylon, most of them, or they were under the, the auspices of Nebuchadnezzar and then the next guy. But eventually, the Persian Empire, modern-day Iran, comes up takes over Babylon, and now King Darius is the second king in the, the Iranian, the Persian takeover, and he's sending these people back. So they've been back a few years, and this is what the word of the Lord says to them through Haggai. Look at uh, chapter 2, verse 2. 
Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people. So we're speaking to the governor, the high priest, and all the people. And what's coming to them? The word of the Lord. This is just a little little reminder that none of us are above God's word. None of us are outside of the, of the influence of it or the boundary of it. So if I come to you and I start saying, you know, God's word, just put that to the side. You need to say to me, whoa, whoa, Jay, bring that back in front of you. So the word of the Lord comes to these men and to all the remnant of the people of Israel. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Verse 3, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? What's the house? It's the temple. Who among you saw the house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it as nothing in your eyes? So, we hear from Haggai, he's asking them to remember. Now think about this. If some of them were exiled as as late as 587, and if they're now coming back and they're seeing the destruction of this temple and preparing to rebuild it, they must have been little children to see it if they remembered it. Now, here's where I'm going to ask you to think metaphorically, as a community, and as individuals. What is it in your life that you are remembering right now? Maybe you've thought about, man, those were good days. I, I'm just going to raise my hand and say, I romanticize the past all the time. Wouldn't it be so much simpler if X, Y, and Z? In fact, I've realized I've started listening to like 1940s big band music because it makes me think, oh, you know, times were so simple back then, and wasn't that, wasn't that sweet? And maybe they were. I don't know. I'm told they might have been. But it's easy to romanticize the past. Now think, think about yourself individually, spiritually. Think about the things that you've been through, the places that you've been spiritually. It's easy to look back at those days, maybe a church camp or a worship service or a time in grad school or when you were first married or or whatever it is, it's easy to look back at that and think, oh, that was a great time. I wish that I could take now and move it back in the past. Because if I could do that, the discomfort of the present would be assuaged. Now think about that, too, as a people of St. Bart's. All of us have come from different sort of spiritual backgrounds, have we not? Many of us from different denominations, different pasts. And a lot of us really like our church here at St. Bart's. But we also, I mean, I know I do, we also look back to the churches back here. So there are really good times back here, but there are also some really cruddy times from back here. And we think, I don't want to do that. So whatever I'm doing here as a part of St. Bart's, I don't want it to be that thing because that hurt and that was hard and I don't want to relive that. And well, you shouldn't. So Haggai, now we're going back to Haggai. Do you see what we're doing? We're looking at Haggai. We're looking at you as an individual. We're looking at the church. Back to Haggai. So Haggai says, who of you can remember? And he invites them to remember because he's going to draw a comparison. The next thing he says in verse 4 is this, yet now be strong. So maybe they remembered the former glory of the temple before it was destroyed. Solomon's temple. I mean, this was 
This was it. Gold, wood, silver, everything. Remember how the Babylonians plundered all that? Hauled it off to, the, to their kingdom? So put yourself in their mental state. We remember the glory of this, this former glory of the temple. But now as I remember it, how are we going to get it back to that, that place? How are we going to get it back to that way? In fact, look at, uh, if you have a Bible or a phone, Haggai chapter 1 gives us even more context with another date. Are you ready for another date? First one is October 17th, 520 B.C. The second one is August 29th, a couple months before. August 29th, 520 B.C. And this is the first time that Haggai speaks to the people and he says, Hey, Verse, three, verse 2 of chapter 1, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And why can't they rebuild the house of the Lord? Verse 4, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat and you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. In other words, we don't have enough to do it, God, they said before August 29th. That'll wake you up, won't it? My goodness. In an evidence-based survey, 98% of you jumped just now. <laughs> I don't know if we're not, okay. We'll just roll with it. So, they said, God, we don't have enough to make a difference. So as they remembered, their state of mind was we don't have enough. But God says this to them the people who didn't think they had enough. Verse 4 of chapter 2. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Be strong, governor. Be strong, priest. Be strong, people. Every segment of the people, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Remember that new covenant? Be strong. And what else does he say? He says, Work. For I am with you, declares the Lord of the hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. So he says, redouble your efforts. Be strong. Be courageous. Now, take, now we're going to travel back in time. Sometimes we want to go back to this thing, don't we? This great time that I had at this place or that place when my season of life was great, before this awful thing happened to me. And we want to rebuild that thing. We want to rebuild that time and create the perfect conditions to recreate it. But the Israelites could not do that. They could not go back and recreate Solomon's temple. We cannot, nor should we, go back to try to recreate some time in the past. Chris and I were talking earlier today, and he reminded me, hope always pulls us forward. So as Haggai, that guy, declares this, be strong, be strong, be strong, and work. As he declares that, he's saying, move forward. Now, us. Here we go. There's a little bit of me, there's a little bit of you, there's a little bit of us. What do we want to do as we redouble our efforts, as we work. Sometimes we may want to go back and recreate, oh, there was this church I went to, and it was so great, it was so awesome. If we could only do that, or, oh, man, this church is so successful. If you can just duplicate and have all these same, exact same things, maybe, you know, that would be great. No. 
We don't go back, we move forward where we are with the resources of God. We're going to see that in just a minute. So think about that for us. I don't know what God's going to do in us, through us, with us, but I know it's beautiful. I know it's powerful, and I know it will continue to bring life to people here and there and all over East Dallas and the surrounding area. Be strong and work. God may be calling some of us to work. Some of us have already been working, and it's time to take a little bit of a break. But he's asking us to redouble our efforts. And lastly, Haggai switches gears and then points forward. He said, remember. He said, redouble your efforts. And then he starts talking about all this cosmic stuff that points to the day of the Lord, this time that is coming. Look at verses 6 through 9 in Haggai 2. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. This Hebrew word is ra'ash. And this is a word that is used to identify and call attention to the day of the Lord, this cosmic shaking, like the end of time, if you will. And, verse 7, I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Do you hear some echoes of Revelation there? And all the kings of the world will stream to that city, that new Jerusalem, and bring their treasures to it. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. But we don't have enough, God. You say be strong. You say work. You say redouble your efforts. We're trying to get back to this, Solomon's temple. But we don't have enough. But what does God say? He says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. And that's why this last R is to rest. You're working. You're following You're pressing forward with all your might. You're staying focused. You're not rebuilding something in an idolatrous ray. You're looking forward in hope. And in that work, you are resting. It seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? It seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Do you remember what Adam's job was in the garden before there was sin, before Genesis chapter 3, before he and Eve messed it all up and introduced the curse? His job was to work in the garden, abad, to work it and to keep it. This word abad in Hebrew closely related to the word for worship. Rest. Rest not only that your work is worship unto me, O Israel, O Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest and all the remnant of the people, but rest that I will give you the resources to do it. That's why you don't go back here. I'm not giving you resources to rebuild something that is old, something that was destroyed by the consequences of your own sin, Israel. I'm giving you resources to build something new. Because the something new is going to, it has a greater, bigger, larger purpose. Moreover, in the age that is to come, here's the Day of the Lord references from Haggai, that greater, bigger, newer purpose will be qualitatively different. Exhibit A, 
of the qualitative difference of the age to come? Jesus' confrontation with the Sadducees. The Sadducees were Torah conservatives, if you will. They held strictly to the law. They rejected uh, the rabbinic tradition that would say you, you can also have other interpretations on top of the law. Moreover, they didn't believe in any spiritual things. They were kind of like uh, aristocrats, very well off. And they didn't believe in the resurrection or angels. So here we hear Jesus speaking to the Sadducees. They ask Jesus really a question that obfuscates the reality of this law of leveratic marriage, where if a woman's husband dies, a kinsman close to her who's not married can marry her to provide for her children. We see this in Ruth with Ruth and Boaz. Boaz was the kinsman redeemer who married her to provide for her. So the Sadducees say, okay, Jesus, you know, Moses wrote about this leveratic marriage. What happens in the resurrection if this woman who either has really an unfortunate uh, occurrence of losing seven husbands or has some sort of black widow magic? We're not quite sure. What happens to her? Who's she married to in the resurrection? And this is Jesus' response. Verse 34 of Luke 20. The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore because they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. In other words, there is marriage now, but in the age to come, after the day of the Lord, after Christ will return, that Paul's talking about in 2 Thessalonians, after that, there will be no more marriage. Why? Because it is qualitatively different. Here, he makes a, a brief explanation that because there's no more death, there's no more marriage to, to procreate and have more children. But more than that, marriage, if you think about it, as St. Paul talks about the mystery of it in Ephesians 5, that somehow in this mystery, it, it mirrors or shows forth the unity of Christ and his church and that we know that it, it, it's also this community designed to image forth the beautiful community and self-submitting community of the Holy Trinity. So in the age to come when we're with God in the new heavens and the new earth, there's no more need to image forth God. Because full throttle, volume turned all the way up to 11, we will be with him. And that's why we rest. Are you following me here? You don't need to rebuild this thing individually now. You don't need to remember, remember and rebuild this thing. You work where God has you now, and you rest that the outcome of that will be magnified and multiplied in the age to come. And that should give us rest. That should give us hope. St. Bart's. God isn't calling us to build the thing that wasn't quite like the thing we didn't like before, which is very easy and very human to do. He's calling us to work now with the resources that he has that are beyond our capacity to build something now that will be for his glory in East Dallas and beyond. And... 
the ultimate results of which are far beyond our capacity to imagine or envision. Are you following? We remember, we still redouble our efforts, but then we rest because God gives the growth. Because God, the God that I serve and that you serve and that we pray to and we rejoice in is the same God that Paul says, and now to him who can do infinitely more than that we can ask or imagine. To him be glory forever in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. So before we get into the aching and longing of Advent, I want your hearts to be tuned and ready to rock and roll. Because guys, everything that we do in this life is moving us this direction, taking us this direction to the age that is to come. When Christ will return, remake heaven and remake earth. And I close with these three questions. I want you to think about this. I know I've been talking probably a little confusingly in three different levels both interpreting what Haggai wrote for you as an individual, for us as a community. But I th- take those, these two application metaphors and this interpretation of the passage, and I want you to think about these questions. What are you remembering? What is, what is the thing that you're trying to get back to here? Picture it, write it down, interact with it somehow. What are you remembering? Take it to the collective, to the plural. What are we remembering? What is in the past that we're remembering? It's not bad that it was there. It's good. It's not wrong that we're remembering it. But what is it that we're remembering? Secondly, and this is a little bit of a twist, what are you doing to try to rebuild it? What are we doing to try to rebuild this thing in the past. Third, how does God want us to use our efforts, our resources to build now? Think about your own life. Think about the life of St. Bart's. Hmm. And lastly, can you rest thinking about all that stuff, can you rest in God's kingdom power to do something more than that, more than this? Something where the age to come breaks in now. That's the, that's the thing I didn't mention, is that all this stuff where, where everything is qualitatively different, that age to come is breaking in now. By the power of God's spirit. It happens in us individually. It happens in this church. And that's why tonight is a pregnant moment for us. Can we rest in God's kingdom power to do something more? Something far more than we can ask or imagine. Let's pray. God, we give you our imaginations. We give you our memories, Lord, both those that are wonderful memories and both those that are very difficult We know that you bring healing and wholeness, Lord. You you make us more like your son, Jesus. You make us more fully human. But we ask you, Lord, to give us focus, to give us power, to listen to your commandment, to follow the lead of your spirit, and to be strong and 
to work now to build that which you have for us. And Lord, help us keep in mind and rest in that ultimate hope of the kingdom that is to come. But we pray, just as we always pray, Lord, let your kingdom come now. Let it come in us. Let it come in St. Bart's. Let it come in East Dallas and beyond as it is in heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.